Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It was a major shock because Nick couldn't speak and couldn't move down his right side at all. So he had no movement in his arm or his leg and couldn't speak and whatever you know I was expecting oh, well, I just I wasn't expecting I wasn't expecting that at all. Well the Joe and children good team confident positive smile smiling happy. It's really about helping people isn't it get get back oh, to work so we thought it would be good to set up cafes to help people just like Nick and you lead them now. Hello, this is Stroke Stories. I'm Mark Goodyear. In the UK, there are more than 100,000 strokes every year. That's one about every five minutes. And around the world, there could be as many as 15 million. It's often a devastating illness. And despite amazing work by the Stroke Association and support groups up and down the country, when I had my strokes, I found there wasn't lots of places you can go to online, whether you're the patient or somebody's close to the patient. The good news is, when you get to hospital, the health services are usually amazing at diagnosis and treatment. It's just getting better all the time. But the road to recovery can be long, and so on the Stroke Stories podcast, we've been seeking out inspiring stories and visiting stroke survivors. In this podcast, we visit Wales to meet 55-year-old Nick Can and his wife Jo. Nick's strokes came five years ago, and he continues to work through the after-effects. As a result of the strokes, he suffers from aphasia, which affects his speech. But with regular speech therapy sessions and his own perseverance, he's beginning to regain his ability to communicate. Let's hear a little bit more about what life was like for Nick and Joe before it happened. Well, um, Chief Executor, Financial Planning, busy uh, world, the, 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 the um, England and Ireland and Wales and Scotland. The um, speaking, the words, conferences, London, well, Joe and children and, uh, well, dogs, blah, 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 yeah, house. We were just, you know, we were planning that year was, um, our, we were both 50. Yeah. And so we were, having, we were planning a 100 not out party at the Celtic Manor. We had all our big plans sorted out. We'd booked the room and everything because Nick had a really good relationship with the Celtic Manor. And we were also planning to go to Australia, weren't we, as yeah. a family. We had all these sort of, you know, big plans. And his actual stroke happened on, well, it was my last day in work before my 50th birthday. Nick had had his in the January and mine was in April. 
and I was in work and my desk was full of balloons and we had Easter planned we were, and then you get the phone call and, and then all of a sudden everything just changes massively so all your plans just go, you know, disappear. Nick had been living with heart arrhythmia and stopped taking statins for the condition. The first stroke happened while he was away in Northampton and he still finds it difficult to remember the precise events of the day. No, the uh, hospital, don't know, they're, they're um, friends, uh, Joe and uh, Gemma Reese back. Don't, don't, don't know names. So I got the phone call in work, so my PA came to find me in a meeting and the first thing I said was Gemma, because my daughter generally has been the one who's had horse riding accidents <laughs> and various other things. And I just assumed that generally something had happened and he went, no, it's Nick. So I very quickly then got to speak to the paramedics because they wanted to know if he was on any medication and all the usual things. So, uh, and I then literally jumped in my car and started driving to Northampton straight away. So I was there within sort of two and a half, two and a half hours actually. It was a major shock because Nick couldn't speak and couldn't move down his right side at all. So he had no movement in his arm or his leg and couldn't speak and whatever, you know, I was expecting, oh, well, I just I wasn't expecting, I wasn't expecting that at all, <laughs> you know, you just can't plan for that. The aphasia, the hard, yeah. hard, the apps, the conversations, blah, 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 yeah, the... Couldn't speak at all for the first few weeks at all, very, very confused, everything was church, child, why, why is everything ch But that's what it was, he just couldn't say any words. So then, because you then start looking online and trying to get information and people said take pictures in of family and friends and holidays and things so that you could, you know, try and identify names and so on. But it, it took probably, oh, yeah. we were in hospital seven weeks, so yeah. it took a long time to, uh, to start using words, didn't you? Yeah. The speech therapy, to be fair, started really quickly. They started that after two or three days with you yeah. in Oxford. Yeah. So he got moved to Oxford very quickly. We were quite fortunate that <laughs> we knew the vascular consultant in the hospital he was in. By chance, it's a family friend. And uh, so he was really good. And uh, therefore, Nick got, you know, the top treatment. And he took me to one side and explained everything to me. And it was such a shock. And then you know that you've got to tell everybody because all the onus falls on you to then make the phone calls to your family, you know, and friends and, and everything. So that was just, it was so upsetting. And the, and the most upsetting thing I, I wrote it in my blog, didn't I? Because I started keeping a, a blog on, on my iPad uh, just to write down what I was thinking because I was so upset. And um, it was just that the thing Nick wanted to be was a stand-up comic and, and a comedian and an MC events and speaking was his thing, really. Um, and that was just the cruelest thing. That The bit that got him was his speech. It was really, really hard. Uh, well, the Joe and children, good team, confident... Positive, uh, smile, smiling, yeah. happy. Work, well, email, you know, Twitter, blah, blah, blah. The LinkedIn uh, conference. Harrogate, wow. Yeah. He's yeah. been asked to speak yeah. in Harrogate now. Yeah. Nick spent seven weeks in hospital. During his stay, there were a number of obstacles he had to overcome before he was discharged. <laughs> the, 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 the wing... The, Catheter. The, <laughs> come along. <laughs> oh, good. Good. The uh, oven, 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 cup of tea uh, done. We and, <laughs> and uh, 
gout. Ow, 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 yes. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. that was what was so shocking when you, the children came up on the Saturday, so it was only two days afterwards, and Nick has to be hoisted in that bed and then had a tube in his nose because he, he couldn't, just in case of the swallow mm. risk, wasn't it? So that was quite a shock, really, I think, to see, yeah. to see that. And the hoisting, the fact that he couldn't get in and out of bed. But because he was fortunate and you were thrombolised quite quickly, you know, by sort of you know, Sunday, you were, they were starting to do occup the occupational therapy and physio. And you were starting to be able to move your leg, certainly, yeah. uh, quite well, weren't you? Can't remember. He can't. He can't remember a lot about that. Yeah, mm. the the book, yeah. the book, Joe and memories. And yeah, the, memories. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. They had you doing Scrabble, didn't they, with for your name? And yeah. you might not. Do you remember that? <laughs> spell use these letters and spell your name, sort of thing. See if you could do that. Yeah. We were only a week in Oxford, and then they sent us back to the Gwent, oh, which is the time when he got the gout, <laughs> which is what he's saying, because they just diagnosed gout in Oxford. But you were transferred back on a Friday night to the Gwent. Bad time to be going into a hospital. And so, um, of course, no treatment. It's a weekend. And um, even though I went in and complained on the Saturday and said, he, you know, he's got gout, they didn't do anything till the Monday. So you, you were in agony, gone backwards then, because for one minute you were able to be mobile. The next you couldn't move around because you had pain in your feet and, and, and so on. So once they started treating, he was in another two weeks in the Gwent and then... Then he got moved to Chepstow, Chepstow yeah, yeah for a, which was a bit of a, a laugh as well, wasn't it? Because they moved you thinking you were immobile. And that, so they put him on a mattress that kept inflating and deflating. And then he just kept getting up and walking to the loo. And they were, well, why are you doing this? And they said, well, the hospital told us you weren't mobile. Uh, yeah, he is. <laughs> so, so that was quite funny. They very quickly changed you and put you in a separate room, didn't they? Yeah. The speech therapy support was so poor locally. We did have appointments. Uh, every Friday, yeah. but it was quite basic, and um, so obviously I'd have to drive Nick everywhere to any physio appointments or any speech therapy. I very quickly booked a private speech therapist, and we went off and started having other speech yeah. therapy, didn't we? So I, I mean, I worked at home most of the time. Luckily, I was flexible enough to do that. But as you say, yeah, you're a carer really, because Nick couldn't do, you know, couldn't do anything much really, and it was. Any appointment I had to take him to, and we had some support from Newport as well, didn't we? we had to go there once yeah. every so often. So um, it, yeah, it was quite a, quite a responsibility. Despite Nick's condition, he's also been involved in a number of Herculean fundraising efforts for the Stroke Association and other charities, and continues to remain active in order to maintain his health and his recovery. Aphasia uh, group, well, aphasia. There's nothing. Nothing. Mm -hmm. Nothing. H hundreds. 25,000 yeah, at least. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Mm. Cardiff, Tembi, cycling. That wasn't your most enjoyable experience. No. <laughs> but you did it. <laughs> yeah, good. The running, knockout. Mm. Yeah, good. Joe and uh, Cardiff, Tembi, try. Um, In four weeks' time. Yeah. Mm. The conference. So a, friend, a colleague of ours who's a good supporter, they organised an annual event. Financial services have been really supportive, generally, of Nick because of his sort of reputation and for his platform awards, which he does annually. This year he's nominating the Stroke Association for the awards and they match it. So generally they raise, you know, thousands and thousands, you know, sort of 50,000, I mean, a lot of money. So and they, this year they're doing it for the Stroke Association. So that's really, really good news, isn't it? Dogs, woods, the good... Um well, horses feed. Uh, yeah. 
health, they're um, good. Um, driving the car, bus, blah, blah, oh goodness, yeah. They're mm. busy. Yeah, that was your big thing initially, wasn't it? You can't drive for six months after your stroke, and then we got the test back, and you got driving, and then we had quite a, we had to put one of our, our golden retriever down, didn't we? Yeah. Very sad day. And then you went to Saint Pierre, and then we got a call saying Nick had had a seizure or something on the side of the pool. Yeah. Um, so they intubated him and took him straight down to the Gwent. Of course, after that, then you can't drive for another twelve months. So that was really, really hard, wasn't it? Because when you've got your mobility back and you've got your independence, which means you can drive everywhere, and then you suddenly can't go anywhere for 12 months, and you have to use the bus, which I had to then book every week, so uh, grassroots. It was good service, but it was oh, yeah. just... Well, uh, little, you could yeah. only go in a, what, 15-mile radius? Yeah. So yeah. it's quite limiting. Nick shows an incredible amount of positivity and drive to succeed in whatever he does. He continues to raise money for the Stroke Association and in doing so has met and inspired many more people to continue fighting towards a full recovery. Still to come in this episode of Stroke Stories, Joe reveals how their family reacted to the news of Nick's stroke. When they came to see you, I think they, everybody was just massively upset because you just didn't know what to expect. That wasn't the Nick that, or the dad that they would know about. And Nick talks about winning a Life After Stroke Award. Proud. The celebrities, chat, the friends, and well, Gemma and Beck, Joe, gosh, the, the, the uh, chatting. Let's hear about the Phoenix Project, a charity that Nick and Joe have set up to help people in a similar situation. Phoenix Project Work Life uh, Aphasia Group, um, Avagavani, and Monmouth, and Chepstow, me, oh, well, uh, Lauren Heath, uh, six people volunteer. It's really about helping people, isn't it, get, get back oh. to work or because we just found the support was so poor. And Monmouth's just such a big county and it's not that well served because it's very rural, which is why we couldn't find anything for you, was it? And you'd end up having to travel. So we thought it would be good to set up cafes to help people just like Nick. And you lead them now. The Stroke Association also played a part in Nick's recovery and in Joe's role as a carer. Just to help provide loads of support, wasn't it, yeah. to start with? Yeah. When you know nothing about anything. Yeah and what to do and where to go and yeah they're just providing all that input really wasn't it to help us know yeah how we could get a bus service how we could claim any allowances you know but also about the groups that are on knowing there's local support didn't know any of that obviously so all that is really really helpful isn't it yeah. louisa was our local rep and she come she'd come to the house wouldn't she and she arranged some local speech therapy support initially as well so somebody came to the house because nick couldn't go anywhere yeah um so they provided you quite a bit of support didn't they to start with which was really helpful the yeah. new uh wales advisory that's what you're giving back now isn't it yeah nick was asked then to be a part of the wales advisory committee so managing Stroke Association working in Wales, and you're also part of the National Aphasia Committee, aren't you? So, in London, which meets in London um, once every quarter. You yeah. get frustrated yeah. sometimes. Well, frustrated, yeah. the uh, voice. <laughs> the voice. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 
but we knew we heard of other people didn't we who did get very depressed and personally living with someone like that must have been really hard I think I was quite fortunate that Nick's outlook was very positive always so therefore I didn't but I think if Nick had been in a negative space, it would have been a whole different, very different, <laughs> very different journey. Nick is a popular and very much family orientated man. And so it was a shock for those closest to him to learn that he'd suffered a stroke. Um, well, initially, I mean, they were just, you know, very, very upset. And I can remember sitting in, in Northampton Hospital with Nick and the, they're all sending me messages and they're all looking up on the Internet what stroke is because you know none of us had any idea and uh, you know I'm literally getting messages well, what about this and, and and people read stuff then and think oh my gosh you know it's the end of the world sort of thing um, and you have to sort of you know no let's take one day at a time when they came to see you I think they everybody was just massively upset because you just didn't know what to expect and I said he was being hoisted and he had a tube in it you know in his nose so that wasn't the nick that or the dad that um, you know they would they would uh, know about but I think you know they sort of very quickly been really supportive um, we were very fortunate all our friends and family because I had to be up in Oxford all week so you know I had children here who were at school but their journey I think you know they've been really 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 positive and they're really really good with Nick you know really really supportive all of Nick's hard work and perseverance culminated in him being a winner at the life after stroke awards Two years ago, um, Dorchester uh, fundraising uh, sixty-five thousand. Um, proud, the celebrities chat, the uh, friends, and well, Gemma and respect Joe. Gosh, the 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 uh, chatting and and crash. humbling as well, actually, for us. Oh, yeah, yeah. And we were all in pieces for most of the night, crying our eyes out <laughs> because it was just an amazing event, and you just feel totally humbled by what you're hearing and yeah. seeing. But I'm, I'm proud as well of you when you were standing up and doing your speech, but just also, you know, people are people are amazing. Uh, Connor. Connor. Yeah. Connor. Mm. Goodness me. Connor Lines, yeah, rugby player. Yeah, age? 16. Gosh. But we made, you make connections, didn't you, at yeah. the event, so with people like him, who we would never have come across otherwise in our lives, and then you've, we now follow them, him on Twitter and yeah. his life and what he's doing and achieving, because he is achieving masses. Yeah. Um, it's amazing, you know, and Sarah Scotty as well, yeah. and people like that who we would never have met if we hadn't, if Nick hadn't had his stroke. So actually, you know, our... our ne- our connections now are probably, and our path is probably slightly different than it, than it would have been and the people we've, we've met as a result of it, but in a good way. Throughout the aftermaths of Nick's strokes, he's never given up and has continued to display an extremely positive worldview. He continues to speak at conferences up and down the country and regularly engages in fundraising. And as well as helping his recovery, it's also inspired those who are in a similar situation to keep going and to persevere. If you've been listening to this podcast and have had a stroke or somebody close to you has and you'd like to learn more, search online for the Stroke Association and search NHS Strokes for a dedicated NHS webpage. 
The Stroke Stories podcast was produced by Aidan Judd. I'm Mark Goodyear. Thank you for listening.